0: Welcome to Second Vision. I'm Kristen McDonald, and today I have author and personal development coach Cami Ritchie with me from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And I'm delighted to say that we are both co authors in the international best selling book, Unwavering Strength. I believe Cami's in Volume One, and her chapter is entitled Courage to Confidence. And boy, is that a title that is very fitting for Cami's story. Cami is a person who's reinvented herself. After an unbelievable story that could make a mini TV, mini movie or series, she was like a young maiden at 26, so she says, when she fell for someone who took her away to a place that one never wants to go. He was actually emotionally abusive and it was a relationship that Cammie actually spent a number of years in. She's going to tell us about how she survived this experience and basically did a caterpillar to a butterfly. Because Cami today is a personal development coach, she helps people in real estate. She's helped many, many people to great success with their with their real estate. And one of the names of her website is, I believe, called Change It, because she's a change maker. And Cami has looked deep within herself to find strength and courage like no other. When you hear her story. So I'm really delighted to welcome her today, and she'll give you the name of her other businesses. I believe it's Spirit or Change It. And uh, Kemi Ritchie is with us today, and I'm, I'm delighted. How are you, Kemi?
1: Hey, I am great, Kristen, and thank you so much for having me here and giving me this opportunity to speak to other people. I really, really appreciate that.
0: Well, uh, when I heard your story, I was just almost speechless, and uh, I know you're going to share it with us today, but, but first, give us a little bit of a background, too, on exactly what you're doing today. You're, you're a personal development coach in business for real estate?
1: Yeah, I'm, well, I'm actually a real estate agent, and, uh, and I'm a personal development coach. I've been doing uh, the real estate for over 10 years and the coaching for about five or six, It's also turning into more of a spiritual uh, coaching, not on the not on the religious side, but more spiritual self-empowering. And I do a lot of workshops for people to come out and become aware of their inner treasures and their potentiality, and uh, so they can strive and shine and be brilliant, like we need in this world.
0: Beautiful, and I can see, I can feel your spirit coming straight through, (laughs) especially when you told me some of your story this morning. So tell me how you evolved into this wonderful. you know, t- teacher and-, and helper, you know, uh, is this was all a result of this-, this terrible experience you had in your 20s?
1: It really was. It really, truly, truly was. I am so grateful for that situation. For the four years, that was pretty much a horrible place to be in. Um, without that, I don't think I'd be the person I am today. And I can honestly say I really like this person and I more so love this person that I've become. All my foibles. My good, my bad, my ugly, I'm accepting of them. I know, know who I am now, and it's okay. So I'm, I'm very appreciative of that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's beautiful. That, the, the transformation came from that.
0: Beautiful. And yet you were in this relationship, as you had mentioned to me earlier, that tore your self-esteem apart. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about how it happened and, and uh, how you got into it and how you got out of it?
1: Sure. It's really about bad habits. Bad patterns. Um, my growing up, even though I love my parents, and there's no resentment or regret there. My parents had their demons that I, I, I guess I would say inherited. And to escape that, I found this gentleman um, that I fell in love with, and basically fell in love with through letter writing. I fell in love with the man behind the pen, and that was kind of jumping out of the, the out of the pen into the fire, or the you know. But that's how it came about. Was I think I was escaping one, one scary place, and I actually found
0: another one. Now that's interesting. When you said you fell in love by the pen, you know, with a, you know, via the pen, was it through um, online dating or? No,
1: this is old fashioned. This was back in the eighties.
0: Oh 120- my goodness! Yeah, nobody did yeah. online dating then.
1: There was, I mean, there was not even a computer, right? right. We didn't even right. have email back then. So right. this was uh, every single Sunday, I would get a love letter. Like I, he would write a love letter on a Sunday, and I would get it on the on the Wednesday that week. And I so waited. You, for you that. just met
0: him obscurely out of the blue.
1: I did. I did. What happened was, um, I knew his stepbrother. He his stepbrother and I went to school together. We went to college together. Okay. And And uh, I met him through that connection. And but in he was in a different province. I'm in Canada. So he was in a different province than me. I went on vacation, and I I met him through my friend, who I went to school with. And then after that, um, David ended up writing to me. So uh, you thought he
0: he was seemingly safe.
1: I really did. I thought it would be a safe place to fall. I thought it was a safe place to run to. Like, I really thought I was running to a really great place.
0: So you, you believe you probably were attracted to him based on maybe some of your subconscious beliefs from your upbringing. That's what it sounds like.
1: Yeah. You know, we, yeah. We attract, 100%. you know, we, we live those we patterns.
0: Attract. We try to work through them.
1: Yeah. 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 And and it, yeah. and it was it, because, you know, there was an addiction in my family growing up. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It, later on, I found out there was addiction with him as well.
0: Mm. Now you were mentioning before that he never hit you, but he threatened and uh, he'd hit the wall
1: Oh, he'd hit the wall. He'd throw me up against the door. There was no marking on my body. It was the emotional. And, you know, one of the things I learned when I went in for counseling and therapy afterwards was that, you know, bruises heal. Broken bones do heal. It's not, I'm not saying that's any less. Sure. The emotional scars are really tough. Oh my and, goodness! They can and,
0: live and forever unless you know how to work through them, and even exactly. then, they can they can resurface, you know, with patterns in our life. And I, I was so frightened when you told me this morning too that he was a, a power lifter and was ready yeah. to go to the Olympics.
1: Yeah. Explain yeah. to the
0: audience what a power lifter is and how big his arms were. <laughs>
1: hmm. So a power so we all know what a weight lifter is. So a weight lifter does a pull and. All, all the weights that they do is very quick. It's a jerk reaction, okay? So there's not a whole lot of strength. It's just a matter of doing it very quickly. A power lifter actually has to have the power and the strength to lift and hold, okay? So even though we don't have power lifting in the Olympics, um, the Canadian weightlifting team wanted him to go and do the weightlifting. And his biceps were the size of my waist. So his biceps were about 26, 28 inches.
0: Oh my God! I mean, the, just the mere thought of that. No wonder you were terrified. So, so what happened? You told me that you were kind of swept off your feet when you were 26, and then you moved in with him. And uh, you know, when this abuse went on, how did you escape it?
1: Well, first of all, I wasn't planning to move in with him. I hardly knew him, except that for about four or five months, we we exchanged phone calls and letters. I was on the assumption that I was going up there and he had found me an apartment, my own apartment. When I got out there, I found that he had found he and I an apartment. So that was a surprise for me the very moment I dropped in, like as soon as I got into that province. That's quite a big surprise. Yeah. And, I mean, I was still pretty – I was 26. I was pretty still young, naive, and and whatnot. So that was kind of a a shocker to me. Um, But – It started, I mean, obviously there was a honeymoon period, and it was really great, okay? So there's absolutely that. Um, And I truly do believe he meant well. Sometimes there's a fine line between love and hate and and having control, right? So if you love someone so much, you want to have full control.
0: Oh, yeah. I I Um, had a girlfriend who had an abusive boyfriend, and I actually knew him growing up. I never knew he was doing that to her, but years later she's still so scarred from it you know she's not like you she never didn't come through the other side that way and mm-hmm. it's uh it's just so he meant well like you like you're saying i mean he was so screwed up that he actually he loved her but you know some of those it's kind of you know you don't want to think about <laughs> nicole and uh and oj you know but some of these relationships yeah. are so terrible they're 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 mixed with love and hate
1: they really are right and it's all about Control, 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 and um, and I guess what happened basically is like he needed to keep controlling me. I think he started to see that I was growing as I got away from my family, I started to grow, and as I started to grow, I would change well that would that would that would frighten him, right, because he wanted he wanted that gullible, naive young girl that he could mold, that he could control. Sure um so that so the the abuse came probably about it started to really show its face probably about a year after I moved there, and I was with him for four years, just over four years.
0: mm my goodness so so what how did you find the strength inside and the courage to move on and get away from him? You know,
1: I think my inner voice, my intuition, my psychic, whatever you want to call it really was strong and I found after one really horrible morning before I was about to go to work um, I found myself crying in a corner just shaking it was just it was just a really really bad scene and I finally realized you know what I have two choices here one which I do not have the courage to do which would have been take take my own life and the other one was it's just time to get the heck out of Dodge like just run. So I called my mom, whom I was not able to talk to when he was around. He would keep me from that because my mom and I were very, very close. And I kind of told her a little bit. But you see, she loved him. She thought, everybody thought that David was the most amazing person. So I was careful because I still didn't know if I was really the problem because that's what I was told. I was always told I was the problem. Of course.
0: Most women are wrapped up in so much fear and abusive relationships that they will not report it or leave.
1: No, and that was the thing. And not even to my own mom, who was like my best friend, right? Mm. Because I knew how much she liked him. So if she liked and loved him so much, then maybe there was something wrong with me. So, of course, there's shame, blame, guilt, all that good stuff comes into play, right? Sure. So sure. I, call, I called her. I was in tears, and I said, Look, I'm not in a good way. I'm homesick. I'm this, I'm that, I'm this, and that. I really didn't give her the full truth, but I gave her enough for her to feel really. Sympathetic and empathetic for me, and she says, "Just grab whatever you see, honey, and just get in the car and drive home."
0: No, you well, said you grabbed the microwave, and that was all. What was that about?
1: That's it. I honest to goodness grabbed
0: the, the microwave. microwave. That just made me laugh. First of all, things I might be grabbing my my money, my jewels, my whatever, but I don't know and about the. I left the, um... all
1: of that. I left all of that. And I, you took the microwave. And I took the microwave because I was still so obedient to my family. Mom said, whatever you see right now, grab it and bring it. Well, okay, I see the microwave. I'm going to bring it with me. <laughs> so I took that, and I, and I had a toothbrush and a, probably a few, few things that I put in a bag, and I hit the road. And it was a three-day three trip back from Alberta to Ontario. And when I arrived home, I didn't get a very great welcoming. Because, you see, we were going to get married. David and I were getting married. And my parents had already sent out
0: the wedding invitations. And
1: my mom Oh, was
0: my quite goodness. Social- that took a yeah. lot of courage for you.
1: And my mom was quite the social butterfly. So she didn't know what to do because this was going to be the party of the year in her mind.
0: <sighs> so
1: she didn't want to disappoint her friends and not have the party. My dad was concerned about all the deposits because I'll tell you, it wasn't my party, but it was it was... It wasn't my wedding. It was theirs, so it was going to be pretty fancy. So I still didn't tell them the truth. I said that I just needed time to think. And then finally, a couple days later, I said, no, I'm not getting married. And that did not go over well. So what they did was they sent out postponement uh, cards
0: to everybody.
1: They wouldn't admit that I wasn't going to get married.
0: Oh, what pressure. Even when you told them how abusive he was?
1: I didn't tell them,
0: I didn't tell them that yet. Because I couldn't,
1: again, again, it was like, they thought he was the, you know, the cat's meow, right?
0: Right, right.
1: I just said, I needed time, I just needed time. But they took that as, okay, we're doing a postponement, even though I said, I don't, I'm not ready to get married.
0: Oh, my goodness. So, so then how, what happened?
1: Well, I was home for about a month. And, um. Uh, remember, I told you that David's stepbrother was a friend of mine. Yes, he had. He contacted me. John contacted me, and he said, "Hey, you know, I'm really sorry to hear about you and David. And uh, look, I know you love to get out to nature and fish. Let's just go. Let's go and have a great fishing day." And I went. Oh, that would be awesome. So I did. He came and picked me up, and we went. We went to a very large lake and uh, went out in the boat. We got to this kind of deserted island where you can't see the shore, like the real main mainland shore anywhere. And I said, what are we doing here? And he goes, this is my favorite fishing spot. You jump out and tether the boat, and we can fish off the island here. So I jump out. I go to grab the, tether- the, the rope. I said, okay. And he goes, no, um, I've got a surprise for you. And he pushes away from the island, and I look up, and at the top of the mountain, like, well, it's not a mountain. It was a hill. There's David. I'm now alone on an island with no way to get off, with no other civilization around, with David.
0: Oh, you mean his, his brother, his stepbrother, set that up?
1: Well, I think David set it up,
0: but his his stepbrother didn't know about the abuse. He just
1: thought we were having like a lover Oh, score.
0: my goodness. Oh, my God.
1: So now I'm feeling kidnapped. So we sat on that island for about two or three hours, probably even longer, maybe even four, and I listened to how horrible a person I was and how I had disappointed everybody and how selfish I was and how nobody would ever love me, how nobody would ever accept me for who I was, except David Wood. because for some oh. reason, he felt that we were soulmates and that he would help me get better.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: And what did you course, do? Well, the only way I could get off the island was to agree with him because he had a boat on the other side of the island.
0: Sure, sure, and they say to do that too.
1: Yeah. So, but the thing is, I agreed to him because I was just
0: worn out.
1: I was so tired having to deal with disappointing my parents, not really able to tell my story to anybody, thinking like, "I'm just tired. I'm just emotionally tired of
0: exhausted." All
1: yeah, I was spent. I was just I was toast. So, it was like, "All right, let me just get off this island, and we'll rethink it. So, of course, he had a car, and where did he go? He went right to my parents' house. And as soon as we get there, they're all excited to see him. And he says, I've got great news. We're getting married. I've finally shown her the light. And go ahead, we're getting married, and let's do it in the next three weeks. And that's what happened. We did.
0: Oh, you got married? We did. Oh, my God. God, and then did, was he just continued to be abusive?
1: Not worse. We drove back from Ontario to Alberta, and our honeymoon night was the worst abuse I ever got. I ever had. It was very physical. It started to get very, very physical. <sighs> um, he had promised me on the island that he would go for anger management help as well. That was one of my conditions. Yeah. And when we got back to Alberta. He said, do you really believe I have a problem? He says, you're the problem. And it just escalated. Because, you see, now he hadn't seen me for six weeks, right, prior to that. So all his anger was building up. And once he got me back on his turf, I will say, and I'm now married to him, I'm basically his property, and he could do what he wanted to. Oh,
0: that is just the scariest thing. I can't even imagine.
1: he He made me quit. I, was, I had wor- I was working a couple of jobs to support him because he was going through university at the time. He wasn't working. And I quit one of my jobs to accommodate his schedule more. And that job was a blessing in disguise because they actually had a free counseling
0: service. Oh, that's wonderful. So you went and started to put your life yeah. back together.
1: So I went to that. It was the hardest thing I ever did because I felt I was betraying not only him, but I was betraying my family. Sure, so sure. didn't know what I would have to bring up in that. Sure. Counseling. Long story short, that counselor was extremely good with me. He explained that I was an abusive wife. Um, at the time, we had way way back, like when we first got together, we decided we wouldn't have children. And now David was forcing me to have a child. And he said, well, that's just because he'll use the child against you. So he said, that will, that will just increase the abuse. Right. So he said, be very careful with that. He said he couldn't counsel David because he had already started counseling me, so he recommended another counselor. And we went to see her together, David thinking he was going to be able to shine and show him, you know, show how, how he himself was such a great husband and 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 uh, person, right? And that it was mm-hmm. to, to kind of disclose and validate that I, I was the one with the problems. Well, he managed to do that very well. Two hours later with that lady, she, did, she agreed. She said that I had the problem. And he was treasure. So we left there, and he was extremely pleased with himself. And he just looked at me, and started calling me all sorts of bad names, profanity I can't even say here. And then he picked me up and he threw me across and against two cars in the parking
0: lot. Oh my goodness.
1: And he says, "Don't ever put me through that again."
0: And I
1: just got off the ground, and I looked up where that. Wait, this was in
0: response to you took him to the therapist? Yeah. Oh, my so,
1: God. And after what, what the lady therapist had said, saying that he was just, he was ideal and I was the one with the issue.
0: Did you break any bones or? No,
1: I didn't break anything. But when I got up off the ground, I just looked up at that building and I thought.
0: That's when I you wondered, knew you would hit bottom. That's yeah, often what thinking, happens.
1: I, I It wasn't even that. I was looking at that building and I looked up at that therapist's office and I thought, I really wish you were looking out that window to see what just happened.
0: hmm hmm
1: you know? So anyways, um, yeah, so I told my counselor what had happened. And so he arranged for a psychiatrist meeting for for David. And David thought that was good because we had it set up that it would be for how, um, how David could help me to get better. After about three or four sessions, I got a phone call from my counselor. He says, pack your bags, get the heck out of there. He says, David's just found out from his psychiatrist that he is um, he's borderline personality with sociopathic tendencies. And he oh, didn't wonderful. like what he, what he heard, and he just punched the psychiatrist. And, and they've, 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 they're, they're putting um, a restraining
0: order on him. Oh, good so, Lord. So that's what made you flee, finally.
1: Finally, uh, he came home, and it was really obviously not a good scene. He put his fist through the door. I went into the bedroom. He put his fist right through the door. And he says, Next time that's gonna be you He oh. says, Don't you ever, ever do that kind of stuff with, for you know, against me or for me or to me ever again. So I packed up Again, just a really quick little bag. And by this time, because he had gone to the gym to work out, it was about 11 o'clock at night. I had no friends there because he wouldn't let me. But I did walk to work with this one lady and I called her. I don't even to this day know her last name. And I called her and I said, I think I'm in trouble. I think I'm in danger.
0: And I don't know. You're so lucky. I mean, I just, I was listening to Nancy Grace yesterday and they do all these missing person cases and what happened to her. And, you know, she knew people at the gym. And I just turned it off. It was so, so sad. But, uh, you're so lucky. I mean, I mean, I know you know that, but, um, yeah. you know, you could have ended up on Dateline, you know.
1: Exactly. And, I mean, after that, um, I did leave. I kept moving from place to place. He kept finding me. I kept putting um, restraining orders on him, but back then it was only for, like, 24 or 48 hours. Um, he threatened to, to kill my horse, my horses, the horses that I worked with. Um, mm. He started to harass my work. And so, finally, the police and my work both came to me and said, we can't protect you anymore. So, we think it's best if you go back to Ontario, be with your family,
0: and get away from him.
1: And that's what I did.
0: I did. And did you ever hear anything? For, and then, of course, you had to go through divorce proceedings, and you were legally married.
1: Yeah, we were legally married. Well, what was interesting was, when I got back to Ontario, I had gone in to see a doctor um, about a rash, like a nervous rash. And that doctor was actually an addiction doctor as well, which I had no idea. I mean, he was just at a clinic, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, he, he was the first person that was able to allow me to tell my whole story. And at that very moment, he checked me into a 12-day, I mean, a, a, yeah, a 12-day program, okay, or, or a 12-step program, I should say, for codependency and, and adult children of alcoholics. And so that program, that two-week program, was the beginning of my recovery. And
0: fixing oh, me. That's wonderful. So wonderful. I'll tell you what a w- what is the biggest lesson you've learned. For, you learned from everything. I mean, you're a coach now. I mean, other people come to you. They come. You're coaching mostly in real estate. I understand, right?
1: Well, no, I, I
0: coach in real estate, but I coach in
1: all businesses. I coach in life, and I coach in the spiritual. So, because to me, you can't just coach in one area.
0: No, so you, right. They may,
1: they may they may come to me for one particular area, but I really coach the whole package, right? I'm right. not a therapist, so I won't go back and solve or help them with their past. However, if their past is actually hindering them or is an obstacle right now in the present, well, then we right. break it down. We'll work with it. Right. So I, I coach. And I what coach are some of the things over. you do
0: for people, just as a, as a yeah. giveaway for people listening today?
1: What what is it as a giveaway?
0: <clears throat> what are some of the things you do for people when you're when you say you break it down? Let's say someone comes to you with a problem, you know. You just break it down and have them look at it more, go into acceptance or, you know, what are some of your techniques?
1: Yeah, first of all, it's awareness. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they're so close to it, they don't even see what the the issue is.
0: Get out of denial, right? That's the first.
1: That's right. Get out of denial Mm -hmm. and be aware of it. Second of all is to accept it.
0: Embrace Mm -hmm. it. Embrace it. Embrace it. That's what I had to do with my blindness, I know.
1: You have to embrace it and then see the light. Of it, right. So yes. every shadow has a light. You've got to walk yes. through the shadow to get to the light. Okay. Yes. And then once you get to that point, you take action. And it's like life mm-hmm. strategy. It's so funny. The,
0: the three part of my system, you, if you look at second vision is acceptance, appreciation and action, you know, because I mean, these things have been taught for millions of years because they work. And it's all about, you know, coming out the other side and, and looking is. at life and a totally learning from the terrible adversity, which is exactly what you've done. I mean it's just yeah. it's, it's tremendous, you know. I mean tell people your website. It's called Change It. Yeah, it's Change It Coach
1: It uh, Coaching, sorry, so it's change it coaching, so it's all one word at uh, Rogers.com. Rogers dot com.
0: Great. And then the spiritual I, one, you I, have another one?
1: Yeah, that one I'm working the the website's off right now because i'm I'm just revamping it so you can get me through the change at one for sure and i don't mm-hmm. know the other one that i work is, is called totally spirit and that's just a really fun fun place to go and get all sorts of information about intuition psychic um life guidance uh energy because i'm an energy healer as well so i do mm-hmm. a lot of energy healing and i do that long distance as well as you know in person So I'm kind of a jack of all trades. I just app whatever I can do to help somebody wherever they may be and need help. That's what I do. So I just. That's
0: wonderful. Did you go on and become a, you got, you became a certified coach and.
1: Yeah, I'm double. I'm actually triple certified in all sorts of coaching. And then I'm also, uh, I'm a third level Reiki energy healer. I'm a holographic healer as well, which is all about energy. And, uh, and I, yeah, I just, Whatever can work for someone else, not everything works for the same person. No, it's true. I want to hold. I I have a ton of tools in my toolbox, and I can pull them out and say, "You know what? This might work for you." And if it doesn't, I have another tool. We'll we'll figure it out together because we're a team. I'll never tell anybody how to how to live their life. I'll never tell them what to do.
0: I think it's just so amazing what you did with your with your situation. And so, you did was your family eventually supportive when you reinvented yourself and you moved back east? And
1: you know what? The beautiful thing about that was both my mom and dad got sober. Um, and they are just well, my mom is no longer with us, but mm. they. I got I got twelve extra years from my mom as as her being sober. My dad's been sober. T- Twenty-three years, I believe it is, and um, he's my biggest supporter. He doesn't understand the spiritual thing and the coaching. He thinks it's a little odd because of the therapy. So he, I understand he's got boundaries, but the fact is, is that no matter what, he's there for me now.
0: And I That's so him beautiful. Him. So you all re- reinvented yourself. I mean, that acted as a that story and your experiences acted as a catalyst for change, like you yep. said. Yes, one hundred percent. Beautiful, beautiful. 100%. And uh, did you ever hear from this David again, or
1: I did actually. He um, two years after I left him because I couldn't I couldn't summon him with divorce papers because I couldn't find him. Okay, so two years later he showed up on my doorstep and confessed that he had a drug problem, um, and a drug problem that I wasn't aware of when we were living together. Apparently, I don't know how naive I could have been to miss that. And he asked if he could get in touch with the doctor that helped me. And that doctor helped him, and he went into a 28-day rehab program. And uh, I heard that he did really, really well with that. He found a, a lovely woman with a couple of kids. I don't know if they're still together because I've never kept contact with him. Um, but that's what I had heard through the grapevine many, many, many well, years Well, that's about.
0: also positive, you know. Yep. I mean, and and Much I was worse to, to think he's still day. out there abusing other people, you know. And what about yourself? Yeah. Did you find a good relationship?
1: I have. I found amazing relationship, and I have the most amazing son from that relationship. And oh, I am probably beautiful. the proudest mummy in the world because he's eighteen. He's going off to university, and um, I couldn't be happier. That yeah, is a beautiful
0: you know, story, Cammie. It's a beautiful story, yeah. and you made it happen, you know, with your inner spirit. A lot of people would have gotten dragged down, you know, scared, uh, just downtrodden, and people sometimes they, they get stuck in the mud, and it's like quicksand. They can't get out. And So I really, really admire your strength, and for everyone listening, I'm sure they've learned a great deal. And, you know, why don't you tell people, too, because we're winding down on time, where they can reach you again. And if you do webinars, because, you know, I'm broadcasting from California and you're in Ottawa. Right. Canada. Okay,
1: well, yeah, you can totally get me at Change It Coaching. So um, you can get me at, uh, oh, sorry, the, the website is www.changeitcoaching.com. And then my email is changeitcoaching@rogers.com. So they can get me that way. They can also, if they want to give me a phone call, that's fine area code here is 613-791-2255. Happy to talk to anybody. I coach all over. I have people in South Africa. I have people in the States. I have people across Canada that I coach and I do energy healing the same way.
0: That's beautiful. You know, I think the message of today's show really is always ask for help. If something in your world isn't going well and you're too frightened to speak up, Always follow that inner voice because, you know, it's, it could be a life or death situation, really. And I'm, I'm just really, a, like I said, a, a big fan and admirer of what you've done. And your story should Thank make you. a TV movie so other people out there aren't struggling with abuse. So, Cami, it's been delightful to talk to you this morning. And for those of you listening, you've been listening to Second Vision with Kristen McDonald and Cammy Richer, Richie, excuse Richie. <laughs> Uh, author, personal development coach, and she's given you her website. And please, please, please remember, there's always a gift in every situation, but always ask for help if you need it. God bless and thanks for listening today. I'm Kristen McDonald.